The most challenging moments have been fighting my own mind, fighting depression, fighting the negative voices that play on and on and on again. To live an epic life, you really need to get clear on what is epic to you. I didn't know myself prior to 2019. What's my purpose? What am I doing here? Why am I even here? Does none of this make sense? Is everything that I do going to be like this? And if everything's gonna be like this, this is a really sad realization. And maybe I'm just not supposed to be here at all. Losing a day and then winning a day and losing a day and then winning a day and doing that over and over and over again that gets you to zero and you're at zero and then you're like well i won all these days and i don't feel good i'm at zero plus one minus one plus one minus one plus one so yeah that that really led me to uh dark dark places it's something that transformed me at the deepest level the best thing that's ever happened to me the podcast is a result of three months of me looking at myself every day, 60 minutes straight. When you put that in perspective, you're like, like I have chills right now. I wouldn't have the podcast had it not been for just sitting with myself for that long. We think of only the beauty in the ups and I found that there's also beauty in the downs. Today's guest is a writer, meditator, spiritual explorer, podcaster, and YouTuber. He is the creator of the Danny Miranda Show, a thought-provoking podcast that inspires people to reach for their highest potential. Please welcome Danny Miranda. Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate the introduction. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you so much. So you've been running a podcast for almost two years now, and you've interviewed over 250 guests. What has been your favorite part of running the podcast? My favorite part of running the podcast has been the the way, the actual conversation itself. There's a bunch of work that happens prior to creating the podcast, and there's a bunch of work that happens after. But what really got me started on podcasting as a whole is because I put out on Twitter, who wants to talk on the phone? And I had such amazing conversations with people that I said, why don't I record these? And it's really the conversations themselves that have gotten me so excited and that continue to excite me to this day. Has anything surprised you about your journey so far? The, the funny thing is, it's like every conversation impacts you in some way that you don't expect. And the more you do them, the more you realize like every person has imprinted on me something. And so what surprised me is like, I'm a different person and I'm a different communicator. If you go back to episode one, I expected to get better as a communicator, but I didn't expect that doing it so many times would change the way that I myself would be able to communicate thoughts, which has been really cool. Mm, so you feel like it's changed the way you think as well. Oh, absolutely. 100%. It's almost like you have like 250 teachers or mentors talking to you and teaching you things. It's exactly how I look at it. I mean, there's not many times in life prior where I've said, all right, this is an intentional hour to learn about you and about your story and about what's going on. And now I, I have that. And, and so I'm so grateful for that because I don't know where I'd be without it. I'd be a completely different person and I'd have a lot less 
perspectives on life and a lot less information on on how different people have operating through their day to day. What would you say has been the most challenging part of running the podcast? The most challenging part has probably been the doing the things, the overhead, doing the things that I don't like doing, the the post-production of it often or the sometimes like just the little things that are just part of doing something you love. There's always going to be things that you don't enjoy doing. And, and for me, that's been like the, the post-production, I would say definitely, definitely like the, the, the video editing, video editing, or like when I was first starting, it was just audio only. And so Mm. it was like going from after the interview was over to posting it was like, the most challenging part because I, I didn't enjoy that aspect of it. My friend, James McKiven, who's, he's amazing at video equipment and he's got the latest on the audio and the video. And I'm like, I ask him whenever I need help with any of it, because I don't know any of it and I don't care for any of it. I care about the conversation and that's really what, what excites me. Yeah. A lot of people don't think about that, that between the recording and the publishing, there's this whole process. And often you think it'll be a short process, but it sometimes takes up the the most amount of time to really finesse something to the end. A hundred percent. I mean, that's what I've noticed, at least. It's it's incredible how much how much work it feels like when it's actually work. People look at the episodes and they say, 250 episodes, that's a lot of work. And for me, the conversations don't feel like work, but the the post-production does. How do you manage your time when you have, you know, you have to prepare for the guest, the recording, the scheduling, then the post-production, the audio mastering, the video editing. What 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 does a Danny Rand a week look like to manage your time? Yeah, for me, it's one thing at a time. What's the next task that I have to do? So I have an interview with Sahil Bloom tomorrow and it's like, okay, I know that. So let me listen to some episodes of him. I have a Sebastian Georgiou interview that's coming out tomorrow as well. It's like, all right, let me edit that. And it's really like thinking in my head, what's the most urgent thing that needs to be done? And then executing on that and not overthinking too much of like, okay, I I wanted to post more TikTok clips. I don't have that. Like I, I need to do this. I need to, it's just like, what's the most important thing? And then attacking it. There've been periods where I've overthought things and been like, should I do this or should I do that? But when, I, when I'm when i really focused, I'm able to look at the most urgent thing and then just execute on that. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? And what do you do in those moments when there's too many things vying for your attention? Yeah, I mean, one of the nature, the nature of doing this is a lot of things are going to come at you at all times, whether it's messages from people, whether it's, it's podcast consumption, a lot is coming at me at all times. And I mean, one great way I love to just zone out is just going on a walk without my phone. If I can go on a walk without my phone, that's just like, I'm 15 minutes or 30 or 45, I'm in a completely different place mentally. So that's one one way that I really come back to the present moment. And I really, the inputs feel less after that. That's a great way to decompress. And you made me think that probably 99% of the people have never really gone on a walk without their phone in the last 10 years. 
Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I don't know. I don't I don't know those statistics off the top of my head, but yeah. The numbers might be might be <laughs> off, but it's like we all carry the phone with us all the time and to actually leave it alone and just be with our mind. I feel like that's super powerful. We're plugged in 24/7. You once wrote, "You are a thousand pieces of content away from the life you want." Tell me what you meant by that. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because I feel like what separates the reason why we admire certain people or the reason why we're excited to talk to them is because of the work they've put in. And for me, for the game that I'm playing, it's content. And for the game of content, it's like the work is putting in the reps and the reps are the amount of times you hit publish. And it's like, when I realized that, I was realized I was, I was making a lot of progress in one area in terms of podcasting or Twitter or TikTok, it was often because I was just putting in more work in that area. And so that was a, a very important realization for me being like, oh, this is this game is just about doing it a lot. And the more you do it, the better you get at the process. So yeah, that was that was a huge insight for me. And there's another thing you said was a piece of content is a piece of energy and that you're thinking about what energy are you putting out with each tweet, each video? I thought that was really insightful. Yeah, I, I think that's that's so important too because what you're really transmitting when somebody reacts to something on social media, what they're really doing is reacting to the energy of that moment and the energy of what you brought into it. And it's like people can tell. People can tell what you did prior to actually recording a video or people can tell what you did prior to them reading something you wrote, like people have a good sense for that. And so just keeping that in mind at all times has been impactful for me because energy levels is something that I think is is really important to, to all human beings. And knowing that as a content creator, your people are judging you by what they see, but they're also judging you by the things that they don't see and they don't even realize. So yeah, that, that's been impactful. Yeah, there's like an invisible field of energy behind everything. And I think people pick up on that subconsciously, but they don't, they can't always put it into words. And I don't think we have the words to, or the the ways to quantify them yet. Like before, I, I wear something called an aura ring and the aura ring tracks your sleep and tracks your heart rate variability and tracks your resting heart rate. These were all measurements that existed prior to the aura ring coming into being, but it was very difficult to measure those things in the middle of your sleep. But there are also metrics like energy and the energy you're emitting. We don't have metrics for that yet. There is, there's a truth of it of like how you're operating, what your frequency is, but we don't have ways to quantify it. And because we don't have ways to quantify it, a lot of people think that they're not, it's not real, but I know it's real. I've experienced it being very real. And I know that it's just only a matter of time, whether it's 10 years or a thousand years before people figure out how to quantify it. And it's taken a lot more seriously. I don't know if you're familiar with Abraham Hicks, but they, they talk about the emotional guidance system and that that is our metric, essentially, that when we're in good vibes or a good frequency, our emotions immediately tell us if we're aligned with our higher self or, or misaligned. I was recently working with a hypnotherapist who I think worked with Sam Parr as well. 
she sent me a message and was like, I need to give you these free sessions and work with you. And I was so honored and humbled that she would do that. But what one thing she made me do is she made me live in the energy of the things that I'd like to accomplish. And she made it more real and tangible. And I noticed a change in my perception. I don't know if it actually works or it doesn't, but I felt different after. And it was it was an exciting realization for me because I was like, wow, this stuff could actually really work potentially. One thing I'm curious about is to dive into your spiritual journey. Mm. What would you say was your very first spiritual experience? <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what my first one was, but I can tell you the period of my life when I really started to change internally. And that was around September or October of 2019. And I started to meditate for the first time. I started to really look inward. I was doing yoga. So that was like, and it, it was all connected. And the books that I was reading was the same thing that the books I was reading was, was books like A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle was really impactful for me. And so I was reading that book. And in that book, I'd hear things that my yoga teacher was saying on a daily basis. And I'd be like, yo, you have to see this. Like, you literally just said this in a class. This is crazy. And so I'm meditating as well and going inward and being like, wow, that's so interesting that that was a thought that I believed then. And this is a thought I believe now. And wow. And also, I think an important piece to it was at the time, I didn't, I wasn't like attempting to awaken spiritually. I was just like, all right, I know meditating is something I should be doing. So let me just do it for 20 minutes a day. And then I did it. And I didn't do it with any expectations of anything. And so that period of my life is when I would describe my first spiritual experience of meditating, doing yoga, and reading a lot of different spiritual books like A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. What did you learn from a new earth that changed you? I learned that love was really the language that I wanted to speak the most of in my life. Mm. I realized that the periods of my life when I was the most at peace, the most calm, the, the happiest was when I was prioritizing love. And I realized that was one of the big things that I took away from my yoga teacher was like, the reason why my yoga teacher and a new earth was saying the same things was because they were both saying love, like love as, and putting that on a pedestal. And I never, that was never the paradigm that I was raised with or that I knew, or that was something that I was thinking about prior. It was just like, wow, like love, like this is what, this is the thing that one makes you feel the best, two makes other people feel the best, and three is at the core of humanity. And so, yeah, that was that was really that was really important for me. Yeah, love is it. It seems like it's the ultimate force in the universe. What makes you say that? Well, so many so many spiritual texts talk about how at the core of it, God or the divine is love. And that they're kind of inseparable. Like God is love, love is God. And I'm curious, I mean, I'm curious what your thoughts around God are actually. Yeah, it's something I'm really trying to work out and really trying to figure out myself. And I don't know, is the only real answer that I can give you. 
I've had periods of my life when I've been like, wow, God is real. God is, you know, God is all knowing. God is powerful, but God is exists as an energy force. And there are periods of my life when I've been like, I don't, God isn't real and I don't know what's going on. And so I guess I'm, I'm guess I'm struggling with that, with both of those. And I know it's, uh, I know it's like something that I consider often, but I don't really have any good answers for, unfortunately. What were the periods of your life where you thought God isn't real? Growing up, I would say, like when I was, let's say, 13 to 23, something like that, um, was very much, you know, rationalist thinker in terms of science, prioritizing science. And I didn't really grow up incredibly religious as well. So those were the the primary moments, I would say. One thing I'm curious about is, uh, have you ever done psychedelics? I've done mushrooms three times in my life. Twice for... Uh, during party college years but once afterwards and i didn't it didn't have much of an impact on me surprisingly really yeah yeah all three times no impact yeah i mean two times twice was um during like a like i wasn't taking it with any set or setting or any anything profound Another time I took it, I was having more intentional use, but I didn't find any effect really. So you didn't feel it? I No, I felt it. I took, I think, 3.5 grams, but I, I it didn't lead to anything afterwards that like awakened me to anything really. Interesting. Yeah. I think you need a bigger dose, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need six grams. <laughs> that, that'll do it. Maybe. You know, Terrence McKenna always said about, you know, five grams alone in your room, uh, blindfolded and see what happens. Well, that would probably change the circumstance. What happened was I just turned on a nature documentary and uh, just watched it and it was it was beautiful. But yeah, maybe I need to go more inward. What is your best guess at the true nature of reality? I think I need some more psychedelics to answer that question. <laughs> are we in a video game? Are we in a dream? Are we? Do you see your life as a movie? Or what is the metaphor that you use for your own life? I think that how you... You have a, so much power often in how you're interacting with the world. And when we talk about these deep existential thoughts. It can sometimes get overwhelming of like, what are we really like? Like, let's get to the answers. Let's get to the bottom of it. And sometimes maybe I'm simple minded and I, I love entertaining the discussion sometimes, but sometimes I'm like, maybe the best thing is to just like, I'm, I'm in this body. I'm in this mind. Let's just, let's just execute on the day to day. 
I think it's, we can get so overwhelmed by the deep uh, truths. And I, I think I spent a lot of time when I was meditating long times, like 60 minutes for me was a long time a day for t- in 2020. I was thinking very deeply about that, but I have kind of went away from that in the sense of like, I want to be of the world as well, instead of just meditated away from the world. So I think there's a time and place for both, but I have no clue to answer your question. I know one of the frameworks that you've talked about before is the the idea that we are all one. Yeah. And I know that idea has really, seems to have influenced your life a lot. Talk to me about how how you think of it. Yeah. So I'm happy you brought that up because I think that when you are acting, when we are acting as everyone being one, it leads you to be kinder and it leads you to love more and it leads you to promote the love always. Like that, that's if I find myself feeling disconnected or feeling like, like, like just broken apart from people, I find that going back to the place of feeling like, oh, we're all one is a helpful reminder of being like, we're on the same, I need to promote more love in this moment. So, yeah, I think, um, I don't know if that's true, but I do know that operating with that mental model is is very helpful and is helpful in just making you, a, making me a better person. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I'm curious, though, in the moments where other people have, let's say, betrayed you or done something that you wouldn't like. How do you see them at that moment? And how do you reconcile them with the oneness idea? So one thing that I'm really good at is getting punched in the face and smiling through the process. (laughs) And I realized this when um, maybe it's not the example of getting betrayed, but I was supposed to get on a flight and there was some situation that messed up the flight and it was no one's fault and I couldn't get on the flight and the flight attendant just, or the the flight woman who's at the counter, what's that, what's that person called? Uh, can, I, I don't know actually, <laughs> it's slipping my mind. Well, I don't know either, so no worries. But this woman basically says, you're not going to be able to get on the flight tonight. And I could imagine, and what instantly went on in my head was, it's all good. Like, I'm here. Life's good. Like, there's no problems. And I also imagined the 95% of people who would be screaming at that woman for no fault of that woman. And so I just said to her, like, I'm good at getting punched in the face and smiling through the process. And maybe that's why I've done so many podcast episodes. Maybe that's why I've, you can build your body. Maybe like having that trait of being like, yo, something bad just happened to me and absorbing it and being like, it's all good. Like life is good. That was, was something that stuck with me as a lesson. And when those moments happen, I, my first thought when someone harms me is like to go to love truly. And I don't know if that's been programmed in through me through meditation or reading or listening to so many podcasts or just my natural inclination. But that's the truth. Like I I see a message of like somebody shitting on me on social media. I'm like, 
it's all good. Like, I love you. I love that person. I just want the best for them. So yeah, that that's uh, my two cents on it. That's fascinating. So like the naysayers online, they don't get to you. Not at all. Because I know I'm coming from a good place. Because I know that what I'm truly putting out there, what I'm trying to put out there with everything in my being is love. And it, if that it doesn't land for that person, I assume that that person's going through something difficult. And, or I, you know, I, I'm trying to get better. So if that person has a criticism of like, this isn't good for this reason, I feel that like I, they're probably right. And so, yeah, I, uh, I really appreciate all the, the criticism and the negativity. And it, I use it as, as just, a an understanding that not everyone is having love in that moment. Mm. Yeah. I love that. It's like when you know your intentions are pure and coming out of love, then the reactions of other people, you see it as more their own projections about you rather than any truth about you deep down. 1000%. That's exactly how I look at it. For those people who are, let's say they're YouTube creators or, or um, they're putting themselves out there and maybe they are afraid of naysayers or fear of judgment what advice could you give them to overcome that? I would say that at one point I was as well. And the reason that I was afraid was because I was scared of what other people were thinking. And I wasn't, I wasn't sure if what I was putting out there was an actual, was something that I actually wanted to put out there or it was something that I wanted other people to see for the sake of the attention. And when I, I changed into, wow, I'm doing this because I started, I started the podcast because I wanted to have conversations with people, wanted to learn from people. And I ended up getting so much joy from that. It's coming from an organic place, a real place. And so when it comes from that place, you, you don't say like, so my advice to the people who might be having fear around negativity or criticism is like, is the content you're putting out coming from a real place? Is it coming from a genuine place? Or do you just want attention? Or do you just want money? Or do you just want something? Because people can sense that. And yeah, that that has stopped all of my own fears and insecurities around what other people were, were thinking. I love that. It, it sounds like uh, the battle between maybe the ego and being in your authentic core self. Yeah, I, I certainly think so. Have you, what's your journey been like around ego? I'm curious to know. You know, it's fascinating. I, I think about this all the time because the podcast is under my name, right? <laughs> the, But I do see a huge difference between 2019 the ego pre-2019 and post-2019. And that's like tapped off by meditation and looking at myself and going inward. All those things help dissolve some of the ego. And I think that having some sort of ego is good for you to show and to allow yourself to say, oh, wow, I can accomplish that. I can do that. But you also want to be careful of being like, 
when's it too much and we don't going back to metrics we don't have we don't have any way to quantify that and you really have to lean on what other people are saying about you and and people you trust and being like are you doing things for the right reasons so i don't know if that answers your question around ego but um it's something i, I think about a lot it would be hilarious if the apple watch just pinged you when you had too much ego it's like it's just zapping you a little bit <laughs> That's great. Yeah. We're, I'm, we're, we can't be that far away from that, right? Yeah. You talked about meditation, like the two, 2019 yeah. as being like this really important moment for you. And so was that due to the power of meditation? I mean, it was in part, absolutely. In part due to the power of meditation. Um, in part due to yoga. For those who are not meditating, tell them why why it is as you once called it the highest leverage activity of your day yeah because the greater you know yourself the greater you can do the things that you know you should be doing right the greater you know yourself the greater you can forget yourself in any given moment it's something that transformed me at the deepest level and I am I'm really grateful to have found the practice of just sitting with my thoughts, letting the thoughts run through me and just being there as they were. Um, it's like if you can if you can figure out who you are at your deepest level, you can then do the things that are actually going to help you go where you want to go. And so, I didn't know myself prior to 2019, right? So I got to know myself and I started meditating 60 minutes a day starting in May of 2020. It's no coincidence that by July or August of 2020, the podcast was getting underway. It's like, that was a direct, the the best thing that's ever happened to me, the podcast is a result of three months of me looking at myself every day, 60 minutes straight. When you put that in perspective, you're like, like I have chills right now because it's it's like I wouldn't have the podcast. I wouldn't be doing the podcast had it not been for just sitting with myself for that long. And I was very fortunate. I was in a position where I was, I was, it was COVID and it was in the middle of lockdowns. And so I was like, what, what should I do with my time? Just going to sit with myself. And so as the world becomes more integrated and as more people come together, this is like, it's 2022 as we're recording this in September. And it's like, we, we might as well be back in 2019 in terms of how the world is interacting with each other. So there's a lot less time. And that's one thing I've noticed from in the past few years is like how quickly we went from no, nobody's got, everyone has to be in their house and everyone's just got to, you know, sit by themselves to now we're like interacting so closely with one each other, like nothing ever happened. And it's only happened. It's only been two years. Like this is crazy, um, but I say all that to say that I was in a very fortunate position of starting this habit and doing this habit because it was in alignment with what the world was doing as well. And yeah, I I don't know if I would I would have had that time. Would it be today of doing sixty minutes a day? So yeah, that's um, it's a little bit on meditation. 
I love that. You you meditated for was it sixty days, sixty minutes? Sixty minutes a day for uh must have been at least nine to twelve months. I'm not sure when I stopped doing it. But it was transformational. Do you still have that practice today? No, I don't do that practice today. What what happened was I got so many inputs coming in, so many things vying for my attention, and it's probably one thing that I should be doing right now is sixty minutes a day. Um mm. But I don't do that right now. That and mushrooms. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you know, I often think about the mushroom trips as forced meditation. Yeah. It's like you're there with just you and you, or maybe you and the shroom energy, and you're there for five hours, you're there for seven hours, and it's um, part of the insights that I get on them is partly because you're just sitting by yourself for six hours and knowing yourself, as you so aptly put it. Yeah. One of the interesting similarities between doing the 60 minutes of meditation and a mushroom trip is that I'd, I had friends who were doing mushrooms at that time. And we spoke about, I spoke about the 60 minutes of meditation. And what I found was that it was exactly the same in terms of what we were experiencing. A greater connection to other people, a greater connection to random plants and animals and random things, um, just a, a more oneness and just a greater appreciation for the little things in life. So yeah, it was very interesting to note that our experiences were exactly or seemed exactly the same and we were doing different activities. Mine was more natural. Theirs was plant-based naturally as well. But yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful when there's that link between them. I wonder what happens if you meditate on shrooms. It's like it's like meditation squared. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to get back to me on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm curious to ask you about your no technology retreat because it ties into meditation, I think, really nicely. It's also about knowing yourself, right? Yeah. This was a beautiful experience. Another one where... It happened as a result of me meditating 60 minutes a day. This happened in August of 2020. So I'd been doing it for two, three months. And I said, all right, like I need to go away. And it's something I need to do again because it was very impactful. What inspired it? Yeah. Uh, what inspired it? I honestly do not know. I, I would have to go back and check my readings on it. But... I think what inspired me was just trying to get more in touch with myself. Um, and maybe, yeah, I couldn't tell you what inspired it, which is crazy because it was only two years ago. But So you're meditating and you're thinking, you know what? I think I'm going to go to a cabin in the middle of nowhere for five days without any technology and just some books and some journals, right? Yeah, that was it. I just wanted a greater... what. What I realized was probably, it was like, okay, I've been meditating for 60 minutes a day. What would happen if I extend this meditation to five days in some? And so I did that. And when you, when you, when I first did that, I was first day, I was like, where are the notifications that I'm used to? Where's the inputs coming in? Second day, it was a little bit lessened. And by the third day, I had, such a a greater appreciation for whatever direction I could take my character next. And that was really exciting. I remember in the cabin, 
listing all the guests that I'd ha- like to have on the podcast and and just knowing this is the right path for me in this moment and feeling so confident and so sure in that direction and that focus. And that's the greatest benefit that it gave me. It was like a clear direction in the future, a knowing of this is the place that I want to go. And so, yeah, that that's super impactful and I got to do it again, you know, <laughs> definitely. I, after doing it, oh, you know what might have inspired me was Bill Gates, Think Week. Ah, Bill yes. Gates taking a Think mm-hmm. Week was, was very, uh, was something that was on my mind during that time. Yes, because he goes away for, was it a week or two weeks every year? And he brings just a bunch of books with him and yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I, I said, okay. Like, I got to do this. If it works for Bill Gates and Bill Gates finds time to do it, I, I should be able to do this as well. Uh, of the, you wrote like a hundred different guests on the list during your, your cabin retreat. Yeah. And it's wild. These people, I, I had no way of getting in contact with them and I had no way of knowing them at all. And it's crazy, like looking at that list today and being like, wow, this person came on, this person, this person. So. How yeah. many do you think out of the list have have you crossed off by now? I have no idea. I gotta I gotta calculate it though, because yeah, I'll, I'll let you know after after this episode. It, it comes down to the power of writing things down, right? And the power of putting your intentions on paper. What has been um, your experience with affirmations? Yeah, so I mean, I, I recently started writing. The Danny Miranda podcast gets over 1 million downloads per month by January 2023. Recently, on January, on July 13th, 14th, 2022, I started writing that down. So it's been, what, a little over two months? And it's something you do every day. Yeah, it's something I do every day and write it for at least 10 times a day, but usually like 30 or 60 or 100 times. Um, and so that's been the most recent affirmation that I've been doing. And it's crazy. The, the things that have come my way since writing this down is like unfathomable, like connections, people, it, it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense is the the best way I could put it. But I mean, at the core of this, going back to love, we were talking about before and something I've spoken a lot about is writing. I love myself as many times as I can imagine. I tried to do it a hundred times a day in earlier this year. And that was such a important practice for me. And the, the problem with, I do so many different things and it's like, this is me at one point, this is me at another point. And they all build the, the pyramid or the, the building that is you. But yeah, it's like, then you think to yourself, wow, should I be doing this right now? Should I be doing that right now? Should I be? And so I think that's where having compassion for yourself and realizing that you can't do everything at all at once is important. But also realizing like those building blocks of writing, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself, leads to you being this person right now today. So yeah, that was a very foundational habit for me. Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It by Kamal Ravikant was one book that changed my life. And then to have Kamal on the podcast, I think for, what was it, episode maybe 61, was mind-blowing for me and was the craziest thing. So 
Yeah. Yeah. I just listened to that episode actually a couple of days ago. Yeah. Speaking of the nature of reality, that was questions I was asking him at that time and something that was he was really excited about. Yeah, totally. I'm glad you brought up the the love yourself practice. How did you stumble across Kamal's book and what was the beginning of your journey with self-love? So Tim Ferriss said that he only had a few books that he kept on his shelf or that he would reread often. And that was one of the books. And so because of that, I was like, all right, Tim Ferriss is someone I really respect. If this is going to be one of his go-to books, like I got to at least read it. And I, I read through it really quickly because it's written so well. And I was really inspired. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like this guy is in a much worse position than I'm in. And I think in the span of a week or a month, his best friend died, his girlfriend broke up with him and his company failed all in the same week or month. And I was like, wow, that's not my scenario. But if I'm in a less worse position than this, I can get out of this. And so I read the book. I was like, all right, I'm going to apply this. I did the practices in the book. It was like some things in it are very, you could think of as awkward. Like look at yourself in the mirror for five minutes straight and say, I love myself over and over and over again. And when you do that, like you really get to know your insecurities, why you think of yourself in a certain way. And if you get comfortable with doing that practice, you are transformed by the end of the month or the end of three months. And so, yeah, that, that was, that was crazy. Like to do it, to see the difference in my life from, and the reason why I started meditating every day might've been because I was just loving myself and I'd done that practice for the last two months. So it all flows together in an interesting way. Um, and it was, it was an impactful book that I highly recommend. Were there things that happened pretty much immediately after you started doing the I love myself practice? I, I would need to go back. I'm sure. The answer is I'm sure. But I would need to go back and look at my journal entries. What did you notice changed for you after a month? It was like the energy that I was putting out into the world was so different than the energy that I had been putting out. And I was more willing to, to say something and then actually do it. And I was more willing to look people in the eye. I think that was one big thing that came as a result of the practice. I was willing to talk to strangers and look them in the eye and really appreciate them and understand that. Because a lot of times for me, I'm, when I'm not going too hot in life, I don't want to look at anyone. I don't want to like rub off that bad energy onto anyone. And I don't feel comfortable presenting myself in the world. And when I am, when I do feel love for myself, like I just want to spread it to everyone. I want to make sure everyone else is having a good day. I want to just put out good energy into the world. So yeah, that was, that was probably the most impactful thing I noticed within a month was just more engagement with strangers. Mm. And also in New York, do people like it when you look at them <laughs> or, or they're like, stop looking at me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> you got to pick your spots in New York. That's for sure. <laughs> you, you were born and grew up in New York? I was born in uh, New York City and I grew up in Long Island, New York. How do you find the energy of New York compared to, uh, let's say, Austin? 
Yeah. So I go back to this Paul Graham idea time after time. And it's the idea that every city whispers something to you. And for me and for Paul Graham as well, New York whispers make more money. And there's something I like about that, but there's also something very shallow about that in general. And for me, Austin whispers just be happier and, you know, look people in the eye and just appreciate them. And I, it, everyone has a different experience in every city, but yeah, my experience has been that Austin just has been way more soulful. I maybe is the best way to put it. And so, yeah. So does your soul feel, do you feel called to Austin? You feel yeah. called to move? Yeah. I feel really called to Austin just because the people are so warm there to me. And it seems like it's the, the place that prioritizes the things most similar to me. They, people are into podcasting, people are into fitness, people are into crypto, people are into the future. It very much feels like where the future is being built right now. It's beautiful when a place, when you feel a place is just perfect for your soul. Yeah. Are you planning to, to move there then? Yeah, I, I'm thinking about it very strongly. And another thing on that point is like, it's not just the place I've realized, it's also the place and the time, right? Because mm -hmm. there's one aspect of like, oh, Austin's going to be a completely different city in 10 years. And it was a different city 10 years ago. And so I'm just, I'm just thinking about like, okay, this is a specific moment in time that this thing calls to me in this moment. And I'm sure everyone has felt some level of that and yeah, I feel feel very much in alignment with Austin in this place and time right now. That's such a good point because it's not just the location or even the people. It's your relationship to it and what you're going through and where your frequency is at. And all of that sort of factors into, into it. Yeah, absolutely. And also it's like two people can look at the same city at the same place, the same time and have completely different interactions with it and both be correct. And I think that that's often overlooked or, you know, not appreciated is like human beings. And this is what doing the podcast has taught me is like two human beings can come and look at the exact same thing and have different viewpoints on it and both be right. And that's a weird mm -hmm. thing to wrap your head around because inherently we want side A to be right or side B to be right. But the truth is they both can be right. And that scary because if both of those truths exist then we almost feel like oh no truth is existing but that's not necessarily true either <laughs> it, it comes back to your idea of we are all one and that essentially it's like we're pieces of god all looking at the same reality but through different perspectives mm. yeah i i buy that i buy that hypothesis 100 percent I'd love to talk to you about overcoming challenges and going through the dark night of the soul. What would you say has been the most challenging time in your life? For me, the most challenging moments have been 
fighting my own mind, fighting depression, fighting the negative voices that play on and on and on again. Um, there are a couple different moments that that really happened to me. One was like right before I started meditating. Another is uh, March of 2020. Those were like two very difficult moments in terms of fighting my own mind and fighting depression in terms of what's my purpose? What am I doing here? Why am I even here? Does none of this make sense? And feeling very lost and without without purpose. And two of the most difficult times in my life, for sure. Yeah, I, I remember you wrote about the March 2020 experiences. Um, some days I couldn't get myself out of bed. And you wrote, contemplated just ending it all. Yeah. And that really stood out to me because, you know, the Danny that we know today from the podcast, who's full of energy, was full of life. Um, I'm curious to know what happened that led him to the point where you were contemplating ending it all. I think just when we, we don't know, we don't know what's around the corner and the previous three months, I often say like, we're, we're just who we've, what we've been doing for the past three months, right? 80% of who you are today is just on your habits and your routines and what the things you've been doing for the past three months is what a core belief of mine is that no one has been able to disprove yet. So we're working on that one. But I think the person I was in the previous three months in March of 2020 was somebody who just wasn't doing what they said they were going to do. I wasn't excelling in anything. I didn't have a place where I could put my energy and passion and excitement for life. Like I didn't have a, a vehicle to channel all that through and the vehicles that I had expected them to be, they weren't. It didn't turn out to be fruitful. For example, I thought I was going to do e-commerce and marketing and I didn't enjoy doing that. And then I thought it was personal training and I had a few clients, but I also didn't enjoy doing that. So I'm like, all right, these two things that I thought I was going to like and I don't, so is everything that I do going to be like this? And if everything's going to be like this, this is a really sad realization. And maybe I'm just not supposed to be here at all was the truth of it. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of, kind of what led to it. And just the negative thought patterns of, of losing, losing a day and then winning a day and losing a day and then winning a day and doing that over and over and over again, that gets you to zero. And you're at zero. And then you're like, well, I won all these days and I don't feel good. I'm at zero. Plus one, minus one, plus one, minus one, plus one. So yeah, that that really led me to uh, dark, dark places. I know what you mean. It's like when each day, it's kind of like Groundhog Day and you feel like, well, if this is how it's going to be forever... And nothing is forever, right? When yeah. we zoom out. But in the moment, it feels like, I don't know if I want to play this game anymore. 
and maybe the key is to to zoom out and go okay nothing nothing lasts forever so something's going to shift and i can create that shift or life will create it for me mm-hmm. after a while um how did you get out of that dark place yourself what was um the first step for you yeah for me i remember having a little checklist of things to do for in the morning to get myself moving in the right direction i would have on a note card like did i do breath work this morning did i meditate did i um do morning pages did i you know i would make them like small buy-ins so having those small buy-ins was so huge for me because i was like all right like all right, I just need to do this one small thing. Like I can even do my breath work in bed, right? So then I could check that off. And literally writing it out and having the physical the physical paper of being like, wow, okay, I made a difference here. That was really that was really impactful for me. Um but I think the biggest ones was having like three things that I could do every day and then doing them, which was like breath work, meditation and morning pages of like 750 words just writing it out writing out whatever's on your mind like i hate life i love life whatever it is that that really did wonders for me and and i really when i checked them off and then i was like okay like look i'm i'm rolling i'm going i'm the next thing so i also read um this book with winning in mind by lanny bassham and one thing that i did was i wrote in an affirmation and put it on my bathroom wall and I would just spoke about the person that I would like to be like the person that I want to be reads every day writes every day journals every day um has interesting conversations and doing that it allowed me to see what I wanted to be and and I eventually found like oh wow this is funny I'm doing all the things that I I wrote down on this affirmation that I wasn't doing previously so, yeah, those are a few things that really helped me. That's brilliant. So it's like having those small wins every day and stacking those up day after day creates new momentum, fresh yeah. energy. Yeah. And also, it's so interesting putting yourself, putting myself in this place because one, it wasn't that long ago, but two, it feels like forever ago. And I remember one thing that was huge for me was like getting the dannymiranda.com domain. And like, it's such a small thing, but I was like, wow, this is crazy. This opened up at this time. Like, all right, like, I guess I have to write, start writing on this website. And I have a bunch of blog posts from around then. But it was like, that was such a small thing that meant so much. And so, yeah, I guess like finding those small things that excite you and figuring out why they excite you was because like what is life life is probably just about taking the things that excite you and trying to make them as much part of your life as possible even though they might start as small like for the for jk rowling i'm sure like she got to read for and write for a small portion of her day when she was just a kid but then as she became more successful, she could expand the area of time in which she could do the thing that excited her the most. And maybe success is literally just a better definition for success 
more than money or fame or accomplishing what you set out to achieve is literally just, are you doing the thing that you love doing for more time? So that's, mm -hmm. um, that's something to think about is like, what's giving you excitement and can you do it for more time? Yes. Yeah. You see that with filmmakers a lot. Like they're creating these little action toy figure movies on Super 8 cameras back when they were kids. And then, then you have someone like Peter Jackson who creates, you know, this incredible filmography. But as a kid, it was all starting there. It's like in the imagination. So for someone who might be going through the dark night of the soul, and maybe they're losing hope, is there anything you can tell them? We are capable of so much more than we can imagine, particularly in the moments that are harming us the most. We, you can achieve incredible things. And even though you can't see it right now, you can take one step forward. And taking that one step forward will lead you to the next step. And don't focus. Sometimes, I've been saying this a lot lately, which is that a lot of depression or feeling upset comes from viewing the past as fate or viewing the past as free will and the future as fate. So that's depression in the sense of, oh, wow, like I can't, I wish I did this in the past. I wish I made this move or that move. And then the future is, you're viewing the future as fate because you're like, I can't do anything about it. Like, look, I'm destined on this path. But I also find that happiness is the, the opposite of that. So it's like viewing the future as free will. Oh, I can, I can change it. I can make moves. And the past is fate. It's done. It's gone. The, the flight attendant and the woman who was dealing with my flight, I said like, listen, there's nothing we could do about it. Okay, let's go to the next scene in life, right? So. Wow. Oh, I love that. Let's go to the next scene. Yeah. I isn't, love that. Isn't it, that what this is as a filmmaker? It's like, you're, we're just going from one scene to the next. And can you maintain positive energy? Can you maintain momentum and, and love throughout all the scenes for life? Like if you yes. can, that's a life well lived, at least for me. Yes. Yeah. The metaphor I always like is like, imagine if Harry Potter was still talking about how he used to live in a cupboard and how awful that was. And he never got past that. And <laughs> we just repeat the same trauma in the same scene for seven books. Yeah. Whereas, you know, where it, where success comes from or, or happiness is you make peace with the past yeah. and you say, okay, it's done. But there's so many timelines merging from this moment that we can choose yeah. and going on that road. Yeah, and, it, and it's why when you're asking me some of these great questions about me in 2020 and me in 2019, I'm like thinking of those as previous scenes of the movie that mm. are like almost in the past. And I'm like, all yeah. right, what are we doing today? We're, you know, I got this interview, Sahil Bloom, and I'm like, I'm focused on that. And so... But it's, it's hard because reflecting on the past and reflecting on those scenes can help lead your character to better places in the future as well. So I think there's it's a balance there. And figuring out what the balance is for you, I think, is an individual pursuit. Yes. I feel like the healthiest way of looking at the past is 
always look for the lesson, but never for the the suffering or the sort of punishing yourself for the mistakes you did or the regrets you may have. Man, I love that. The what is the next scene? It's it's similar to I sometimes think of like let's flip the page. What is the next chapter of the book? And let's write a new chapter. I think that we spend so much time often. I think it was David Perel who was saying to me like thinking is overrated. And I said it wasn't thinking. It was introspection, maybe. Introspection's overrated. And you hear so often, you know, go look inward. And it's advice I give so much. And it's advice I, I believe. But him saying introspection is overrated really made me question and stop and think and say, okay, what actions am I taking that are leading me to the place that I want to go? So. I, I know what he means. It's like when I was younger, I used to obsess, like something bad would happen and I'd obsess about it and I'd go introspective. Whereas now it's more like, okay, what is the lesson? Moving on. Next. That has helped tremendously to not get back in those old states and those old loops. Yeah. Yeah. What's the next, what's the next lesson? What's the next scene? That'll stay with me. If you were to meet your 18-year-old self, what advice would you give him? Nine years ago now. Damn. Um, <laughs> I would say lift weights and meditate are the two things that I would recommend my 18-year-old <laughs> self do. That's you- going to be your new tagline on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think I've actually tweeted this, that the two things I would do differently was just lift weights and meditate. And the reason that I didn't lift weights was because I was scared to go to the gym because I was scared what other people would think of me being so weak. And the reason I didn't meditate was because I didn't know that that was a thing you could do. So if there's an 18 year old listening consistently three times a week, lift weights and every day meditate for, for 20 minutes and you will, I, I think be in a completely different position 10 years from now one that's more in alignment and more just you'll feel better externally and internally. That's excellent advice, man. And you bring up a good point. The idea that, oh, if I go to the gym, I'm going to look weak because I'm not. How how would you recommend, let's say there is an 18-year-old listening or a 16-year-old and he's scared to go to the gym because it feels like, wow, everyone's experienced there. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, the the advice that I would give is that one, no one, everyone is thinking about themselves and two, try to find maybe a friend you can go with in the beginning where you enjoy their company and take the focus off yourself. When you go with a friend to a different place, you're taking the focus off yourself in that moment and you're focusing on the other person. How can I make them laugh or how can I make their experience better? And I think this is probably good advice for not just going to the gym for the first time, but doing anything for the first time. It's like, stop focusing about on yourself in that moment and start focusing on another person or helping another person. That's where you'll be more comfortable with yourself. Yeah. Isn't that the secret to life? Just removing focus from me, me, me. Yeah. And just go and do something for someone else. And 
immediately your suffering or your depression or your anxiety lessens because now you're not so introspective as we were talking about. Right. Because isn't that, isn't that funny? It's like when you're not willing to go to the gym because you're scared everyone will be looking at you is actually the most selfish thing you could think in that moment. It's actually like, wow, everyone's looking at me. I'm the center of attention for everyone else. Like that's obviously not true. But in your head, that's the story you're telling yourself. And so, yeah, that, that was the story I was telling myself when I was 18 years old. And maybe if I had meditated, I would realize that that story wasn't an accurate story to tell. But uh, yeah, those are, are two really important lessons, I would say. Beautiful. Danny, it's time for the lightning round. Oh, wow. Let's, let's get some thunder in here. <laughs> let's do it. What is, uh, what is one of your favorite movies and why? First thing that comes to mind is Remember the Titans because I always, it's a story, I haven't watched it recently, but it always makes me cry for some reason. A football movie about, I honestly couldn't tell you what it's about. And the last time I watched it was probably like five years ago or 10 years ago, but it, it always impacts me on a deep level. And I want to rewatch it now because of you asking this question. All right. I have never seen it. I got to watch it now. Yeah. It's beautiful. Have you ever gone to a psychic? I mean, yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> so I, I got a reading from um, one of the podcast guests, Nicole Marilyn, and what she told me, it was like on the, on the phone. And what she told me made me cry because in my heart, I believed it to be true or knew it to be true in some respect. And that was like the freakiest thing. So she tuned into something that was deeply true for you. I mean, I thought it was true. I felt like it was true enough where my reaction to what she was telling me was to cry, which is pretty remarkable. And has her words come to manifest? So what she told me was that in a previous life, I had lived as somebody from the United Kingdom in early 1900s. And the reason why I have such close relationships with my family is because in that previous life, I didn't have close relationships at all with my family. And I thought that was interesting. And my reaction was to cry because I've always felt a deep sense of connection to people from the United Kingdom. And even when I was 15, 16, I always was thinking about people from the UK and it's just weird. And if you look at my podcast and where the guests are from, the most is the United States, but the second most is the United Kingdom. And I don't know. I Who knows if that's true or not, but it, it freaked me out and like really made me feel something deeply. So, You know, you would really enjoy living in London. <laughs> I, I lived there for a year and a half and it's got the New York energy, but a very different vibe. I feel like you'd really love it. It's definitely a place I want to go for sure. Have you ever had any experience with ufos or aliens i have not have you ever astral projected i have not what is that i, f I hear about that all the time it's an out-of-body experience so um it's like your your astral body when you're sleeping or in a specific state it gets out and you're in the astral realm 
there's a, an amazing book called Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe. Mm. And it's this guy, he, he wrote a whole trilogy of his own personal true experiences with it. You might find it fascinating. I'll definitely check that out. What is one life lesson you learned from your mom? To listen and ask questions. She does it better than anyone I know. And she's always very curious about the latest happenings. And she listens and she asks great questions about whatever is going on. So she should be a podcast host. She is. She just doesn't record <laughs> them. <laughs> what three words represent the core essence of who you are? No pressure. <laughs> Curious. Energetic. And love. Mm. I love that. What brings out Danny's beast mode? Um, when I have a mission or... A sense of purpose that I can feel in my bones, mm. then it's it's over. Like if something really, if something really hits at the core of my being, like there's no question it'll get done. It'll just it's just a matter of time. I love that. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. It's like when you have that purpose, nothing can stop you. Yeah, it's the purpose. The purpose brings out the beast mode. How many times have you fallen in love? That's a good question. How many times? Maybe three times? It's a good question. Three times, I think. What have you learned? the scenes right like the scenes are are beautiful even when it's not working out anymore like the the ups and the downs of it there's beauty in the downs as well we think of only the beauty in the ups and i found that there's also beauty in the downs and and the ability to To say, okay, this was what it was, and it's not this anymore. And what beauty does the next scene have is like one of the primary lessons I've learned from going and having that journey multiple times. There's beauty in the downs. Like that's such a beautiful way of putting it. It's hard in the moment though to to know that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's just getting punched in the face and being able to smile through it. <laughs> that's going to be the title of this podcast. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favorite poem? I don't. I'm not a big poetry guy, but I, um, I've heard good things. I need, to, I need to expand my palette. Do you have a favorite one? 
I discovered this poet recently, uh, Mary Oliver, and I started reading her poems, and they're so soulful, mm. and they connect so deeply to the way she writes is is incredible, man. I'll have to send you a book of her. Please. Or just one or two poems. That'd be great. What's been the most influential book in your life? It's Between a New Earth by Eckhart Tolle and Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It by Kamal Ravikant. Beautiful. And what is one thing your audience would be surprised to learn about you? Think about this today. <laughs> and I, I think it because I am so serious on the podcast and I treat it very seriously, I think that my audience would be surprised how much I joke around in private and how I love joking around and making people laugh because I, I don't really put that on display in the episodes. Mm. It sounds like you, you, you should maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that funny, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I just enjoy making people laugh. Yeah. No, I feel it. I feel like there's like a jokester side to you yeah. that is that is more for friends and not maybe for the podcast. Yeah, certainly. That's how it feels. Last question from the lightning round. In The Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz writes about the dream of the planet, the collective dream of billions of smaller personal dreams. What is your dream for the planet? My dream for the planet would be to hopefully come to a place where we are able to look at one another with more compassion and less based on race or gender or any of these things, but like actually look at each other as like, oh, that's a human being. And that's a fellow human being, whether that person's Canadian or Mexican or American or Chinese, like just human beings at the end of the day. And I think that because we're raised in this world where it's like this person's from this country, this person's from this place, it's very difficult for our brains to be like, no, nah, that's just a human. Um, so my dream for the planet is that we look at each other more like just human beings which is very difficult to do. And maybe some might go so far to say it's a utopian vision, but given a long enough time horizon and enough people uh, supporting that mission, I think, I think we could get to that place. That's beautiful. I think it ties back to self-love because when you love yourself, you can't help but love others. And when you... Um, anything you hate about others is really something that you're dealing with your own shadow self. Absolutely. Final question. What is one piece of advice that you would like to leave the listeners with on how they can lead a more epic life? To live an epic life, you really need to get clear on what is epic to you. And so... In order to get clear on what's epic to you, I recommend journaling, a, a daily practice, a daily ritual of either 
and or journaling, meditation, or therapy. And if you can do those every day for 30 days, I have no doubt that your life will be more epic because you'll get clear on what it is that is calling you in this moment. I love that. You forgot lifting weights. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. That helps too. Danny, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for setting the studio up. And I really am grateful for your questions that have forced some deep reflection. And I really admire the peace that you've shown. I can't believe this is your fifth interview. It's very impressive. Keep going, man. You're onto something special here. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Where can people find you if they would like to vibe with you? At Hey Danny Miranda on Twitter is probably the best place, but been trying to start up on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram as well, doing all the social medias. So say what up to me on any of those and hopefully I'll get back to you in a short while. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the James Zander Trip with Danny Miranda. A huge thank you to Danny for coming on the podcast. It was an honor to spend time with you and learn from your wisdom. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who you think might resonate with it. And for more deep conversations, subscribe to the James Sander Trip on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and YouTube, or by visiting jamesander.com. Thank you for listening, and have a beautiful day. Hey, so if you're still listening and you've made it this far, I want to thank you personally. You are one of the OGs, the true fans of the podcast. Not many people listen to the end, so if you've actually made it this far, I don't take that for granted. I appreciate you so much, and I invite you to reach out to me personally. I'd love to hear what episodes you most enjoyed, what type of topics, and what type of guests you'd love to see in the future. Feel free to message me on Instagram, or you can email me if you sign up to my newsletter and just hit reply to the welcome email. I'll be sure to read it. Now, if you have a moment to rate the podcast on Apple or Spotify, that would help me out so much. I super appreciate that. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast on YouTube, please do me a favor and go to youtube.com slash at James Zander Trip. I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers, so every subscriber counts. One last thing, I have another podcast where I do solo episodes, mostly about psychedelics, but I also share life lessons and all sorts of insights. So if you search for The Microdose, you can find my second podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And finally, I just launched a mindset course called Unlock God Mode. So in the next audio, you'll hear more details about my course. If you're not interested, feel free to skip to the next episode. Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It means the world to me. Feel free to share this episode with a friend that you think might enjoy it. And I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, you might enjoy my brand new audio course, Unlock God Mode. Unlock God Mode is a four-week experience where every day you'll get a 15-minute audio lesson that gives you frameworks, tools, and perspectives to upgrade your relationship with life. In the same way that mushrooms give you insights that help you up-level in the video game of life, I designed this course to do the same thing for you. I've compiled every lesson that I learned through psychedelics, through meditation, through my spiritual work, through life, 
I've put my best tools in this course so that no matter who you are, if you choose to go on this adventure with me, you're going to learn some amazing frameworks. You're going to learn to see life with new eyes. You will improve your relationship with life. And by extension, your life will improve. If you're interested in more details, go to jameszander.com slash godmode or use the link in the show notes. Use the promo code SHROOMS for a special discount. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I deeply appreciate you. Feel free to reach out to me through my newsletter. Go to jameszander.com to sign up. I'd love to connect. This episode is sponsored by magicmush.ca. If you're looking for an online dispensary for magic mushrooms, mushroom chocolate, and other high-quality psychedelic products, head over to magicmush.ca and use the promo code JAMES to get 25% off. Thank you for listening and have a beautiful trip.